Hello, and welcome to What About Us, a podcast that explores how policies, history, and culture affect rural Tennesseans. I am Sandy Rice, and I'm honored to be part of the Tennessee Holler Podcast Network. Go to tnholler.com and see the other podcasts and live shows. Sign up for the newsletter and make a donation as the holler is people-powered. Also check out the local hollers on Facebook and Twitter that are throughout the state, especially the coffee holler right in the middle of Tennessee. Okay, so I can still say this while recording, but probably by the time this podcast is released, um, the Tennessee legislature won't be in session, but it is now. And really the best way to keep up with the shenanigans, I call them, um, is the Tennessee holler. My guest and new best friend is Adrian Packus-Gillen. Welcome, Adrian, and hello. Hello. Thank you so much, Sandy, for having me. One of the best things about doing this podcast um, on Zoom is meeting new people across the state. Adrian and I have spent uh, many happy hours preparing for our topic today um, and just talking about stuff. You know, our topic today is women in politics, but I was thinking about it today um, that I think women in politics makes it sound like we're going to talk about Nancy Pelosi and um, uh, Kamala Harris and um, Marjorie Taylor Greene and things like that. But and, and we're going to talk about some of our elected officials, but we're eventually going to end up with y'all out there, you gals that are saying, oh, I can never be in politics. So here we go. Adrian is the president of the Tennessee Women's Political Caucus and VP for the Women's Suffrage Monument, designed, erected, um, in designed and erected in Centennial Park to commemorate Tennessee's role in passing the 19th Amendment. Um, she is a three-term member of the State Party Executive Committee and has been a DNC delegate several times, going to the D Democratic National Convention. She is also um, part of a list of excellent outstanding women who have run for office in the state and lost, which leads us right into our topic. Adrian, thank you again for preparing for the podcast today. Let's talk a little bit about the history of women in politics, beginning with um, the 19th Amendment. Well, that, um, thank you, Sandy. That is a kind of, has been a passion of mine for the last 10 years. Um, when I was in Knoxville at a Federation of Democratic Women convention, I saw the statue there and I was moved by the story that Tennessee was the 36th and final state to ratify the 19th Amendment enfranchising half of the voting population in this country before the presidential election of 1920. So with that information, I came back to Memphis and I set up uh, the 19th Amendment turns 90 celebration here in Memphis. Um, we had a wonderful time at City Hall and had a lot of our local uh, female elected officials and Girl Scouts and things. With that endeavor, I got introduced to other women that had worked on a statewide celebration um, for the 75th. And I met a woman named Alma Sanford who actually had the idea for the um, Memorial in Centennial Park, that monument. And she asked me to be part of a nine-member board 
to celebrate uh, the story that Tennessee's important role played. So what happened back in 1920 was we needed 36 states to ratify the 19th Amendment. 35 states had, had uh, passed the amendment at that point. So it got down to the very hot summer of 1920 and the presidential election was going to be that fall. Um, several other things had gone in the country that ended up being Tennessee was the last and final state that could ratify the amendment before the presidential election. And it still amazes me to this day that it was a very contested uh, vote, mm -hmm. a very close vote. There were people um, active on both sides. Women had been fighting for 72 years to get this the right to vote. And so uh, Carrie Chapman Catt was on either the second or third generation national leaders uh, proposing passage of the amendment. And she came to Nashville expecting to just stay a few days. She ended up camping out at the Hermitage Hotel for um, weeks at a time. And then the anti-suffrage had a, a lady leader named Josephine Pearson, who was actually from Monteagle in your area. Oh, okay. And she, she led the anti-suffragist movement. And so in this hot August heat, all these individuals are coming from around the country and around the state to lobby the Tennessee legislature one way or another to vote for or against the amendment. So it started that the if you were anti-suffrage, you started wearing a red rose and people saw you doing that. They knew where you stood on suffrage. And then the um, suffragists started wearing, passing out yellow roses so they could identify who their um, supporters were. So again, the vote was very close. It was very heated. Um, Cherry Cap Chapman Cap was uh, on the third floor of the um, Hermitage Hotel. There was a Dak Jack Daniels suite on the eighth floor of the Hermitage Hotel where many of the um, legislators were being wined and dined to vote against suffrage. And um, there were even reports of people getting beat up in the elevator, Joseph Hanover from Memphis, who was one of the lobbyists leading for the suffrage. So it came time down to the vote and everyone had been tallying uh, very closely and following the legislators as to how they were gonna vote. And it was supposedly tied in the, um, it had passed the Senate, it was supposedly tied in the House. So at the last minute, a young man from East Tennessee named Harry Byrne received a letter from his mother who was a widow and was running a farm in East Tennessee, but she had no rights um, to vote for how the taxes were placed on that farm. She had farm workers who she paid that could vote, but she could not. So she sent Harry a note that said to be a good boy and to please vote for suffrage. And the story goes that he received this, you know, either just prior to the vote or during the vote. And um, when it came, he had on a red rose. And when it came time for the youngest legislature in the Tennessee, um, youngest legislator in the Tennessee legislature at that time, 
he voted aye. And so then everyone knew that the tie had been broken. They went ahead and finished the roll call vote. Um, there was pandemonium in the balconies uh, at the um, on the floor of the house. And so the rest of the story is that there was so much ruckus and he had to escape out a bathroom window. But I heard a story later that that, that really was not true. But at that point, um, August 18th, 1920, um, women, were given the right to vote in this country that we had not had before. And there is plenty more to the story um, that you can learn about um, how African-American women were uh, not treated as well during the suffrage movement as they should have been. Um, efforts to disenfranchise African-American women from receiving the right to vote. But um, I'm proud to say that the Tennessee Women's Political Caucus provided the seed money for the monument um, there in Centennial Park. And on that monument is Frankie Pierce, an African-American woman who spoke up on the House uh, during these debates for including African-American women. Mm -hmm. Good. And you got to see the monument. Yes, I just did um, last week because of the pandemic. I did not go to the 100th celebration, which we had been planning for a long time. Um, since the monument was unveiled in 2016, we have been holding uh, some kind of event or a celebration around Equality Day, which is usually there in late August. Um, and so for this year, um, because of the pandemic, I wasn't able to go. Uh, so I just went this last Tuesday and um, I am very excited. It's beautiful. And I would encourage everyone to uh, go and stand right along. Uh, the ladies that we have representative and Dallas Dudley of Nashville, Carrie Chapman Catt from the national uh, program, Sue Shelton White from Jackson, Tennessee, Abby Crawford Milton from Chattanooga, and uh, Frankie Pierce from Nashville also. Mm -hmm. Good. They're Good. seven feet tall. <laughs> Good. Um, what was the big uh, opposition for not letting women vote? Was the biggest that, that, that's just a great question because it's still a lot of the same argument we have today for those of us that are fighting for equal pay or the Equal Rights Amendment or for equality in general for women. And a lot of the argument rests on the fact that um, it's going to destroy the American home. It's going to destroy families. Women aren't going to be doing the work that they should be doing. Well, I'll just go ahead and make a jump. This pandemic has shown with women having to drop out of the workforce because childcare has not been available, schools have not been open, how much our economy is hurting and how much we're losing from their knowledge and skill sets. As we highlight women 
in this country uh, more the last few years. We've learned about Katherine Johnson and her role in the space program. We've learned about women who have helped uh, promote the discovery of the vaccine that's mm -hmm. going to um, get us out of this pandemic. So women make so many contributions to our economy and the welfare and the advancement of our country. And we need them in the workforce. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And shared and shared responsibility for children at home, you know, too. But so it, it's, it's, uh, I, th that is not lost on me as I work on issues today that the same type arguments that come up from the suffrage movement a hundred years ago about just getting the right to vote. And I think it is really sad that our first elected female U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn has publicly said that women do not want equal pay. And I don't see her, uh, you know, salary being reduced almost 20, 30 percent for her doing the same work as other congressional people in D.C. And when she says things again, like women don't want to have to worry about those decisions being made in Washington. Um, they want to make them on their home and uh, 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 on their own at their own homes and in their own communities. But a lot of these advances we have made have only been with the help of and the backing of the federal government. Uh -huh. Right, right. To make things better. Let's. Um, we didn't have as much uh, luck uh, with the Nineteenth Amendment. Um, I mean, we didn't have as much luck as we did in the Nineteenth Amendment. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes, with the Equal Rights Amendment. Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so, so what is the Equal Rights Amendment? What does it say? The Equal Rights Amendment quite simply says. Equality of rights under the law shall not be denied or abridged by the United States or by any state on account of sex. The Congress shall have the power to enforce by appropriate legislation the provisions of the article. Okay. We're just asking for equality under the law. Uh -huh. Okay. Seems simple. And I, because it's simple, people mistake that it's already happening. And it, you know, and it's not. So where, where are we with the ERA? Well, where we are is that um, in, in 1972, uh, Tennessee was one of several states that had ratified it. And then um, there was a big delay for several states. And then um, there was an original deadline of 1979. Then it got extended to 1982. Well, and that's always since then been up in the air about the validity of having a um, deadline. Mm -hmm. So uh, just recently in March of 2021, the United States House passed a resolution um, taking away the deadline because back in January of 2020, Virginia became the 38th state that we needed to ratify the um, ERA amendment. Okay. So where we are now is the archivist of the United States Constitution has um, refused to accept 
that uh, amendment as being finally ratified by the uh, full number of states, the 38 that needed oh. to do it. And so there has been an America's a brief um, by the National Women's Political Caucus and several other organizations um, for him to accept the amendment. And then Tennessee, along with four other states, has uh, filed a, um, a suit for him not to accept it. So it's, it's in the courts right now. It's also, um, since the House passed the resolution to take away the deadline, the US, it's now in the US Senate. And again, just like the battle in the House of Representatives here in Tennessee, a hundred plus years ago, that's going to be a close vote there because as we know now, the um, US Senate is 50-50. So um, it, it's going to be interesting. It's not a sure thing. Um, we'll just keep pushing along. But having the law behind you is so very important because it's the things that then give, when injustices happen, give you a right and a foot to take your um, complaint to court for a resolution and societal change. Mm -hmm. Right, well said. Said Adrian, what are some examples of inequality for for women? What are some situations they get themselves into? Well, uh, one thing now is that women continually still only earn about uh, eighty one cents on the dollar for men. It's worse for African American and Hispanic women. It's almost like fifty uh, percent. Um, we are having to advocate for reproductive rights. Um, states across the country are putting up more barriers to women making their own judgments in private with their doctors about their own reproductive rights. And uh, we can go back to Roe versus Wade that, um, you know, these are decisions that are private and um, need to be kept between an individual and their doctor. And in Tennessee and several other Southern states, especially, um, they're just passing more and more restrictions, not allowing women to make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's about economic and um, you know, legal equality. Um, you know, these things come about slowly. It used to be we were pretty much the property of the men. And if they decided they wanted to divorce you, you, you lost custody of your children. You lost your housing. You lost your clothes. Um, at one time, we couldn't even get credit cards. Uh, I think that was back more around, you know, happened with my mother. So these um, legal hurdles can be overcome when we have legislation, especially at the federal level, makes all the states operate on the same playing field. Okay, good, good. Um, and so you had mentioned Marsha Blackburn. Um, so in Tennessee, we have women in office. Um, I am represented by women, both my state senator and state representative. Um, and one of our U.S. senators, uh, Marsha Blackburn is a woman, but we're not simpatico. <laughs> 
Um, these gals, I don't, I, I don't agree with their um, uh, their policies, and and I've got more to say about that in a minute. But what percent of our state legislators are women? Well, um, right now, according to the Center for American Women in Politics, um, Tennessee ranks 48th at the proportion of women in the state legislature, and 16.7 percent of the General Assembly is women. We have no statewide elected executives, and we are one of only 20 states that has never elected a female governor. Okay. And that consistently throughout our history has remained about the same level. The highest level being, um, I think about 2010 at 18%. But an interesting shift is occurring, whereas we used to have more Democratic women, we now have more Republican women uh, of that percentage. Okay. So but that to me is an interesting fact. Yeah, but, but still um, 17% were represented uh, in the General Assembly. Um, Whereas we're 51% of the population, population. Yeah. and we're so, like 55% of the voting population. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, um, so how do you think these women, these 17% of the women, how are they performing for us? We have a super majority of Republicans. So, well, and again, so going back to that fact that more of them are, um, especially in the house, are um, of uh, Republican connected to the Republican Party? Conservative. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I I think they're letting us down. I think they're um, you know not presenting um, bills that are beneficial to families and children in our community, and the few um, Democratic women that are up there are are trying to do that. But um, when your legislature is um, passing bills that if for any reason, um, you know, a woman has, um, terminates a pregnancy that she has to pay for a funeral or cremation with no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, those are not empathetic to what is going on in a woman's life at that time, further restrictions like that or requiring doctors to give statements that don't contain facts before they perform medical procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not beneficial for women. Yeah, well, it, it, and the woman, a woman's right to choose is under attack almost daily in our state. Some legislation has been turned back, especially uh, what's considered a burden, you know, counseling, waiting periods, attempts to shut down planned Parenthood, which actually offers a variety of services. I have, I, I met a, a woman several years ago who had lost her insurance. She felt a lump in her breast. Um, no one would see her without insurance. And she eventually went to Planned Parenthood. But that's a, that's just one example of the, the problems with healthcare um, across the country and especially Tennessee. Um, but also the value of, of Planned Parenthood, a safe place for women to seek uh, counseling and decision-making for, for anything. Um, yeah, the supermajority and their pro-life that they try and propose to the general public that they're 
um, mandating across the state when the governor just signed a permitless carry bill mm -hmm. for guns and our children are in our schools learning how to do, um, you know, mass shooting skill defense. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that speaks to the lack of um, true meaning that they have behind when they say they are pro-life. Right, right. We would not be passing other legislation like that. And it's been shown that domestic violence goes up against women as well as do other statistics in the states where permitless carry has right. been. Um, and and we're, we're, we rank fifth in women killed by men across the country. Um, going on a little bit more with health, no Medicaid expansion again, again. You know, it's never been bought before the entire legislature. So, you know, your, your representative may not have ever had a chance to, you know, see what you thought and, and vote accordingly. I mean, that's how it's supposed to happen. Um, you know, we've talked about hospital closures, you know, ad nauseum. You know, women are in charge of health care for their families and their children, as well as um, being many times the first consumers of health care in a family with pregnancy. Um, mater our maternal mortality rate is in the lower half of 38, infant mortality 33. It's, it is inexcusable um, in a state that so prominently says they fight for life, inexcusable. We rank 35 in public school teacher salaries. Those are most often women, it's out of 50 states. And there's lots of uh, inequality. Single mothers with children, you know, that can only get low wage jobs, 725 an hour is the minimum wage. There were some attempts, some legislation to increase that, not even to the $15, but to $9 or $12. Um, I, as I filed, tried to follow the legislation, those were usually, you know, um, put down. And we're going to talk about on the podcast, uh, you know, minimum wage. You, you know, no wonder. Uh, Democrats look to the federal government to fix things because they're not fixed in our state. They're just allowed to just, you know, wander onto um, different groups' benefits. But we are going to protect women's sports by not allowing transgender males play in girls' middle and high school sports. Now, this has been something that never happened. You know, there's no note of cases, but that's the kind of things that we pass. We have you know, we have some wonderful, lovely uh, families that are um, LGBTQT, and um, we have some lovely, uh, very good advocates in the Tennessee Equality Project. But statistically, the um, the gay population and the transgender population is such a small minority of our state population. I mean, it's literally like less than 10,000 in all of those. Mm -hmm. And that they would spend the time on legislating matters that affect people who are just trying to live their lives mm -hmm. to the best that they can, or love someone, or have raise a child in a loving home, just shows how hateful and vengeful they are because there's a lot of other things that they could be directed at to um, make life better. And this isn't, 
Yes, for all Tennessee. This just isn't, as I agree with you, this is not an issue. Um, you know, let kids be kids and their families work out what they want to work out for that child. And that child can grow up to be a happy, secure individual, whether they want to be transgender or gay or heterosexual. And it just does not need to be legislated by our state. Mm -hmm. So kind of in conclusion on our legislature, we have a GOP supermajority. We have some women um, in the state government. Um, and I think the conservative Republicans, they don't stand up for women. They go marching along with that supermajority. So um, so anyway, I'm not happy about that. So let's go on with what we're going to do about it. <laughs> well, I, I, one thing that we can do about it, I would like you to note that um, just yesterday, the Biden-Harris administration announced that they are going to put $39 billion of the American Rescue Plan funds to state, territories, and tribes to address the child care issue. So this is coming from the federal government. And in glancing over the list of allocation to the states, um, Tennessee is going to get almost close to a million dollars, $900,000. It is one of the larger amounts of money. Several other states have a couple million or a little more. But so the federal government is stepping in to help Tennesseans um, provide for their families and get women back into the workforce by providing these um, funds so child care centers can open back up safely, compensate their workers better, and provide some subsidies for families. But and it is our female state legislators the few that we have up there, several of them are fighting for women's rights. London Lamar is trying to uh, uh, have doulas be credited within the state. I believe Senator Gilmore is working on that you can get out of a, a rent lease if you're in a domestic violence situation. I know uh, State Senator Ackberry is working on um, allowing women more latitude with their own hair in the workplace. Mm -hmm. um, so more rights and equality for women in our state. So I guess I would say our every vote counts, whether oh, it's God. at the federal, the state, or your local level. You need to be informed about the candidates. If you don't like the candidates, you need to get involved and learn ways to run. The uh, Tennessee Women's Political Caucus will be doing uh, candidate training later in the early in the fall. Emerge Tennessee is a great program that reaches across the state. I know they're thinking about a candidate training program for judicial candidates sometime in the upcoming year. The League of Women Voters does more of a short-term kind of boot camp thing called Run Women Run. So there are places where you can get information within the state. Um, you can certainly always reach us at our website at nwpctn.org or we are on Facebook as um, are these other organizations that I have mentioned. And if you don't think you're ready to necessarily be a candidate, 
find out how to support a candidate that has the values that you have that you want for your family and yourself as a woman here in Tennessee. If you just it just really can't imagine running for office, um, tell us uh, some other things that that women can do. Well, uh, the the first and foremost, again, and it goes back to my passion for women getting the right to vote. Make sure you're registered to vote. And make vote. sure, uh, 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 yeah. And, and then go vote. Make sure everyone in your family is registered to vote. Um, I have adult children. I can tell you that I will ask them, have you voted? And though, that's a simple little thing, but some, you know, as we know, the right to vote was won just by one vote. I can tell you some of these legislators won with very few votes because the turnout is often low in local elections. So you could really have an effect on who represents you at either your uh, county commission or your school board or your state level. You can also write editorials expressing your opinion that influences people. I know letters everyone- Letters to the editor. Yep, letters to the editor. I'm, um, I know not everyone is comfortable with this, but if you are, you can put a, a political sign in your yard that helps um, a passively a candidate get um, name recognition and let your neighbors know uh, that you do support this individual and the platforms that they want to put forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, or, you know, and if you have funds, we now have the um, internet and uh, literally every dollar can help a candidate to win an election. So even if you have just $5, it really does all add up. So if you don't want to run for office or you don't want to specifically work for a candidate, there are lots of ways that you can be supportive in a more passive manner, but you need to uh, make sure that the sources where you're getting information are valid and objective and learn on the facts that on the issues uh, that you care about. And if you don't like what's going on in your community, um, you know, start asking some of the people if you're standing in carpool line, where are they getting the information? Who do they listen to? And it may take you a few times to find someone that aligns with what your value system is. But women are exhausted right now, just from the pandemic, from the childcare, from trying to hold their families together and keep them safe. But we need to push a little bit more and that's what we've always done. And I know we can do it now too. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I think one thing that um, I enjoyed reading about um, and we've talked about this is um, is talk to other people. <laughs> talk to other people, talk to other women. And when you find a few that are like-minded, like you say, you know, get together. There was a group in Cleveland that um, after the 2016 election were, were um, concerned um, that they didn't put enough energy into learning about the candidates or they went along with what their husband or another family or father or something, you know, said, and they, and they became very concerned. And they kind of got together and really started what's now a, um, 
a, a couple groups that are online where, I mean, the one was women and wine. I think it was. there's another group that met at the Panera. We don't have many Paneras in rural Tennessee, but um, we certainly have coffee shops and Hardee's and, and whatever. And, and, you know, don't, don't be afraid to just explore ideas, you know, together. It's um, I can say that now, once we're kind of getting our heads a little bit out of COVID, which I continue, I hope continues, but even phone or look how many people have learned how to zoom. Um, I, I have, I had a walking partner um, that was um, afraid to put a political sign up and this was in a small town a sign up or, or, you know, talk to any neighbors. And I've also done canvassing where people are afraid to say, you know, what party they're in uh, because they feel like they're in the super minority and they find out that their neighbors uh, think just like, you know, like them, you know, we can't be afraid. We can't be afraid of democracy. Yes. There's a lot of crazy things and crazy people out there, but even if you're joining a club or a group online, that's very safe. Um, Actually, um, Sandra, I, I was introduced to a, a Zoom uh, national call that I didn't really know was existing. I believe it's called SWEEP, S-W-E-E-P, and they meet every Tuesday night um, at from, it's, uh, I believe it's 6 o'clock Central Time, 7 Eastern, and they had a speaker this last time about um, suburban women votes, but then they broke you out into rooms. And I was in a talk with a lady from Alaska, Florida, and I think wow. mm -hmm. it was Illinois. And I forgot about that until you started thinking <laughs> about it. They were like, and several of them, said one of them said she was independent somebody else said yeah i just needed to find some place to talk and that's what they do just keep up get it you know get a newspaper get a newspaper online which you have to do if you're in rural and just you know find a couple of issues i can't even keep up with all the issues my big issue now is voting voting rights and um you know there and of course women's health and you know a couple other things um so much that needs work on right here in our in our state and our county so you know pick something it's always been the goal of this podcast um to to read and learn find joy in in history and culture and expanding um your horizons um and to and to develop your critical critical thinking skills you had said that and i've always said that too there's things that you hear today that you I'm just um I, how could they believe that really does that make any sense at all and people are just taking it at, at face value there's a lot of the the you know we're finding out with the QAnon and I and I think the cover of um some of the the Trump era and the lot of the conspiracy theories that some of his followers threw out and gobbled up are are being exposed and just you know for if you want to refer to the wizard of oz the curtains being drawn back i mean even today uh you know a 
withdrawing Russian diplomats in response to more information. We found out that they uh, did in, yes, involved in our election. So I think that's it. You know, if, if something car deal looks a little too good to be true, right. you, you ought to be, you know, looking under the hood a little more for your own protection. Uh -huh. And I think sometimes the Republicans here in Tennessee, especially their literature that I have seen over the years uh, against women candidates at the state and local level is all of a similar format. It's all doom and gloom. Some car is burning in the horizon. Uh, our building is all darkened with windows crashed out. And it's all about, you know, fear mongering mm -hmm. and um, just falls back on the Southern women is not going to be safe. And, you know, only the their candidate keep you, protect you. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a sad state of affairs when that's what we respond to. And I think women need to hold that postcard or literature when it arrives in her mail and look at it and really question, is this a valid representation of um, this candidate? Because there's a lot of photoshopping going on and things trying to manipulate your opinion. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to talk uh, briefly about our representative Gloria Johnson and what she's putting up with. Oh, I I'm a big fan of Gloria Johnson there in East Tennessee, along with several of my uh, representatives over here in West Tennessee also. But Gloria is an educator and um, she has a background in special ed. She's run for the house, she's lost, and then she's run again. She is now in the House uh, Tennessee legislature and she is actually a very, very tall woman, and um, along with her uh, stature, can make a very big presence in a room or on the floor of the house. And she often tries to raise her hand, and they will specifically ignore her. They've moved her to a small office, um, you know, much smaller than any of her uh, counterparts. Uh, the speaker did that in retaliation because she was only vote, no vote for the speaker being reinstated. Um, but Gloria continues to advocate for women and children. She recently had um, comments about uh, legislation that she had put forth working with a teacher who had gone, had a Tennessee license, gone out of state, and then came back and was trying to renew her Tennessee license when she had a current one from another state. And because she had, her Tennessee had lapsed, it was being rejected and the reciprocity for the other state's license wasn't being accepted. They basically killed her legislation in committee and then a Republican legislator picked it up and added it on an, as an amendment on another bill so that they can say she hasn't passed any bills when she goes to run again. But then here they are, they're plagiarizing and taking her legislation. Uh -huh. So that's some, when you use shenanigans in the early part of the program, that's some of the things that they're fighting against. And while they're trying to pass good legislation, they are, um, you know, being thwarted and, and those ideas 
are being stolen when they are something the Republicans can agree with. Well, I think she also um, is supporting um, uh, medical leave for state employees. That's correct. Yes, she is. So it's, it's, um, it's, and I believe that didn't make it out of committee either. Right, right. So that's so unfair, not only to Gloria as a woman, but her constituents. I mean, she's been reelected several times. And uh, so, so anyway, it's, you know, if you think everything's everything's fine for women in Tennessee, and that we don't need the Equal Rights Amendment, um, then you need to kind of look around. Thank you, Adrian, well, for bring you know talking with me about all these issues. And believe me, folks, we could go on. <laughs> it's been so fun getting to know you and. Um, um, we have lots of information to share, and it's good to know that you have this medium to reach so many other people. And as we were talking about, help get the facts out and give people resources to go learn about things themselves. And, and talking points, if it's nothing more than, you know what I heard the other day? Is that we only have 17% of our legislators are women. You know, we need more representation. What are we going to do about that? So everything starts with a baby step and it gets to be bigger. So thank you, Adrian. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you. Appreciate it. This has been um, What About Us, a podcast that explores how policies, history, and culture affect rural Tennesseans. Um, please go to TennesseeHowler.com and see the other podcasts and live shows. Sign up for the newsletter and please make a donation. Also check out the coffee holler. We need more people looking at our posts and, and the Tennessee holler is just a, a, a perfect way to get. It's a progressive, its mission is progressive voices hollering the truth across uh, Tennessee. So you will see uh, all kinds of stuff and not just made up many times, you know, actual clips and quotes of our elected officials running away from questions and ducking into a lot of elevator shots. Okay, well, I will let you go, Adrian, and, and we'll talk later, okay? Good luck with your caucus. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs>